0: So truth must be very important if it's the reason Jesus gives for why he came into this world. Is the Bible a, a useful fiction or divine revelation? Is the resurrection metaphorically true? Like just in a sense, the disciples wanted to believe it in their hearts? Or, or is it literally falsehood? fabrication did something really happen to prove that that all of what Jesus had said was was right from the beginning is there factual evidence of of what happened 2,000 years ago or is at best we only can do conjecture which is just an opinion based on limited amount of information which is it where do we go Last week we started in the incredible scene of the upper room, uh, the, the last supper uh, of Passover when Jesus was with his closest friends, and one of them we mentioned, Thomas. He gets that mocker of doubting Thomas, but thank God for Thomas, because he's the only way when Jesus says, you know the way, he's the only one who says, we don't know the way. How can we know where you're going if you don't tell us where the way, which way to go? And, and Jesus famously says these words from John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those questions that you have, that you ask, there are answers to them. There's conversation that can happen. There. This is a place where we can do that. And I thank God for, for Thomas. And I thank God for the questions you're asking. But right after that scene that we looked at last week in Jesus' words of encouragement, not about a funeral, but about a wedding, remember? Uh, another disciple steps up with his question, Philip. And not really a question, more of a comment. you ever have Q&A time and someone, it's supposed to be questions. Uh, oh, I don't really have a question. I just have a comment. And then they go on and on and on. Well, he didn't go on and on, but he made a comment. He says to Jesus, he calls him the Lord. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Do you know anyone like that? Have you ever done that? Just just show me a sign, God. Just really, like, tear back the curtain and and show me the inner workings. Then I'll believe. Then I'll be sure that that you're true. And then Jesus says to him in reply, Don't you know me, Philip? After all this time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus says, makes this audacious claim to being God in the flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Is he telling the truth? Or or is he just making this up as he goes along? Are these claims based in in what's really real? or, Or is it just wishful thinking? Jesus says, for this reason, I have come. Let's look at it again. to testify to the truth. Look at that image. What, 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 a, what a contrast. Here's Pilate, known as a governor, but in a sense, he's, he's a material, earthly king with, with incredible robes and, and, and power standing beside the spiritual king, king of kings and lord of lords who could call down the whole heavenly host to completely destroy Pilate and all of Rome. Here's Pilate desperate to hold on to power and glory and honor. And here's Jesus who gave up his glory. He set aside his honor. Isaiah 53 says of this as a prophecy of the coming Messiah, no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. A bloody mess. Yet Pilate was no match for Jesus. If you've read this passage, don't you think, if you, if you know the, the context, Pilate really should have listened to his wife that day and stayed home, right? Amen? No match. Jesus was virtually silent, the, the whole trial until he testifies to the truth. Where do you testify? Where do you give your testimony? In a courtroom. And what goes on in a courtroom? A trial. And what's on trial? Truth. And Jesus is in the witness stand and he's speaking of what's true, what's really real. Jesus only spoke truth. 75 times uh, in the Bible, he says, I tell the truth. I tell you the truth. 75 times. In John's gospel alone, 25 times, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you. Or "Amen, amen." This double emphatic, I'm telling you the truth. This is really real what I'm about to say to you. Uh, Jesus is witnessing, and he's in the witness stand here, testifying to the truth of God. Here's a little sampler from just John's gospel alone. If you're taking notes, John 1, 17 says grace and truth came through Jesus. If grace and truth came through Jesus, when we talk to our, our neighbors about Jesus, what should be coming through us? Grace and truth? Not... Argh, argh. John four twenty. Jesus says, we're to worship in truth. John 8, 32, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 15, 16 to 17, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit that is to come the Spirit of truth. So, truth is very important. Why is it so important in the Bible? Why, why, why did he talk so much about truth? Why not talk about love? Why not mercy? Why not helping, helping your fellow man? He talked about those things, but this tops the list. Well, there must be some connection between the message of Jesus, his good news, this message that, that means that we can live a new life of salvation, and that must be somehow connected in, wired together, closely linked to a conversation and an understanding and a realization of truth. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says this. This is Paul picks up on this. And the Christian church has always picked up on this link between the gospel, the good news of salvation, and truth. He says this. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Salvation and truth. Closely connected. Uh, again, there's a metaphor about the new life that we're to live as Christians once we've been saved, once we've been exposed to the truth that sets us free. Ephesians 6, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. You know that metaphorically speaking, it, it's spiritual uh, armor that we're to put on so that we can go forth and, and, and testify on God's behalf. The metaphor works this way, but the first piece of armor, what's the first piece? The belt of Truth, you better put that belt on, you know, and then you can get going with the rest of the armor. What's the last piece of armor? The sword of the Spirit. So Jesus says a, a lot about, about truth, about ultimate reality. The Bible teaches that there's this close tie between salvation and, and truth, but, but, but why is that? Well, what's the opposite of Truth. A lie. What's the opposite of reality? A delusion. A, a, a delusion is an unshakable belief in something that is false and impossible despite evidence to the contrary. La, 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 la. No, 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 no. I won't believe it's true. mm, mm no. Check the next thing that Jesus says to Pilate. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What's that imply? Class? Everyone, who, uh, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What it implies is there are sides. The Old Testament prophets pick, picked up on this, they, they lamented that the people of God. The chosen people of God who've been given everything. They've been given uh, the law. They've been given the Ark of the Covenant. They've been given all the great wondrous blessings of God to enter into the temple and to to meet heaven and earth together. They they lament that they are beginning to reject what? Truth. And, And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when they talk about delusion and they talk about sinfulness, they're connected with one word. One word that brings together a person who's deluded in their thinking and sinful. And the Old Testament, great word, fools. You're all fools. That's what the Old Testament prophets would say. So Isaiah 59, 14. He's going on and on about how foolish people are. He says, quote, Truth has stumbled in the streets. Jeremiah, the lamenting prophet, 728. Truth has perished. It's vanished from their lips. Like, similar really incredible image. That people just forgotten. Like you grew up, you grew up being taught the word of God, and it's just mm, vanished from their lips. Isaiah fifty nine fifteen, truth is nowhere to be found. The Apostle Paul picks up on this. He 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 knows the Bible, aka Old Testament. That is the Bible. That is the Hebrew scriptures. And and like a prophet, he speaks into this. Romans 1.18, he says, we all, here's the the evidence against us, like in a courtroom, all of us have suppressed the truth. Romans 2.8, we reject the truth and follow evil. Acts 20.30, we distort the truth, which is about as bad as as, uh, tossing it out, ignoring it. Romans 1.25 we exchange the truth of God for a lie. You have the truth. We exchange it for a lie. We have what's really real. Real life, new life. Mm, mm, mm. Nope, nope, nope. I'll take curtain number two. Look at this text on the screen. Second Timothy 4, 3, and 4. Where Paul writes to Timothy, he's, he's kind of concerned about this, this young protege he has who's going to be going forth. Paul's not going to be long for this world, so he wants to prepare Timothy and, and others like him who are going to continue to grow the church. He says, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. What's next? What what else does he say? They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fairy tales. That time has long since come. This was written 2,000 years ago. Sometimes we think, oh gosh, things are so out of hand now. Things are so out of control now. It was better then. Really? In your lifetime it was better? Really? In your parents or your grandparents' time? The reality is, God is God and he has designed things to work a specific way and there's a way, the truth, and the life that's been known, made known to us that is to be practiced and lived by. And every single day, those among us here who call ourselves followers of Christ have a choice to make. You can choose each day whether to abide by the truth, Or a lie everyone on the side of truth listens to me Jesus doesn't also say everyone who is on the side of truth listens and obeys me that's the part that's a little bit open ended you're listening you know it but I'll speak for myself I don't want to speak for anyone here when I'm tempted when I'm tempted do you know what I'm doing? la 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 I know I shouldn't do this oh, no, I I know, I can hear you, Lord, but just let me just do what I want to do. Let me, just for a few minutes, just this one choice. I know you'll forgive me. Jesus is saying truth must be lived by if we're going to stay in step with ultimate reality. The lie says No, 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 no. What's real is what you feel. Is it working for you? This isn't working for you. Then move on. You've got one life to live. It's about you. You've got to just make choices that work for you. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. You know, I think that the Bible and all those things they teach in church, they were just written to control people, man. That's what the lie says. It turns what's true upside down. You do you. Better just redact, just just black out the parts that that you don't want them to apply. Suspend reality. And the Bible warns us, it warns us of of this foolishness when we're delusional, when we make these choices, when we plug our ears and close our eyes, when we replace God's truth with a lie, the Bible clearly says, and, and we could attest to it, I could attest to it. We wind up brokenhearted and miserable. When did all this start? We we just came off the series from Genesis, the Genesis series. When did this all start? In the garden. In the garden. When Satan says to Eve, Did God really say you die? You, You won't die. He's keeping something from you. From the beginning, there have been sides. From the beginning, there's been a fight for your soul. So Pilate is looking at truth incarnate, straight in the eyes and says, what is truth? And turns and walks away, washes his hands of Jesus. Can he wash that guilt off his hands? What is truth? Does he really want to know? He's got truth incarnate right before him. Ask him any question. Jesus would have the right answer. What is truth? And turns away. Pilate wasn't interested in the truth. He thought it was a hopeless cause, but it's not hopeless because God loves you and God wants you to come to know him. That's why he sent his son to testify to the truth, to open our ears and our eyes right now, even now, maybe for the first time for you to hear what's really going on in the world so that you could turn to Christ, and in turn, he will turn to you. You could gaze into this splendor. I'm talking about a spiritual reality. It's, it's hard to put words to when you're confronted with that kind of truth of, of what's really real. When Paul said that scales fell from his eyes, and then he could see. I once was blind, but now I see. That's just, we're grasping at flowery language to describe what that looks like. But I don't need flowery language to speak straight truth to you. If Jesus testified the truth, then so will I. And so will you. The question is, will you be a good witness or not? When you stand in uh, the witness box, and that can happen anytime, anywhere, there will be a day of judgment, but I'm talking about in the classroom, at work, in your neighborhood, and you're, you have the opportunity to speak of what's true, what are you going to do? Um, I plead the fifth. Talk to the next person. I, I'm not sure what to say. That's understandable. You're nervous. You're not sure how to answer all the questions. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you think, gosh, I don't know. I've got some, some things I'm shameful of in my, in my life. If I start talking, I'm going to sound like I'm preaching, and then it's going to get personal. And the Apostle Paul writing again to Timothy in chapter 6, 13 of his first letter, he says of this very scene, he says, Jesus made a good confession. He made a good confession. By the grace of God, you have an opportunity to make a good confession. So at the beginning of the service today, or yeah, at the beginning, David Miles is on vacation, and so I'm doing the announcements, right? I'm wearing that ridiculous, but slimming, strangely slimming vest, and I'm, We're kind of being lighthearted. We do need help. We do need volunteers. Now, I'm your pastor standing in the pulpit challenging you. Invite someone this Easter. Make it your goal this week to invite someone. I know what many of us are thinking. Oh, yeah, I'm already, family's coming from Gig Harbor. I got some family coming up from Portland. Yes, great. Love them. Pack them in. But there's someone else in your life. There's a neighbor there's a colleague, there's a fellow student, there's someone on your block you wave every day, someone you walk your dog with, and you have an opportunity to invite them. Think about the boldness of our team that went down in Mexico. They just, you guys just got into it, right? Does that just stay in Mexico? And then here, like, okay, well, I'll just go back to high school. Let's go back to work. Yeah, okay. What were you doing on spring break? Well, you know, Boldness. A good confession. Say, I just uh, our church is having uh, three services on Sunday. I'd love for you to come. Uh, good Friday's at, at 7 p.m., blah, blah, blah. And if you get shut down, and how, it's probably going to happen. If you're doing it right, if you're really taking my word for it, I'm saying talk to someone you have a relationship with, but maybe you're a little like, oh, he's really, that, that person on that list, I expect them to say no, just go for it. And if they kind of shut you down, Now I want you to say, hey, that's okay. How can I pray for you? Is there something going on that I could pray, pray for you about? And let's believe into that. Because the living God is present. This is his kingdom. He is all powerful. He has to do something in someone's life that only he can do. It's not really up to you. It's his assignment. And so we believe that prayer is so powerful. If you hear that prayer request and you begin to pray that prayer very well might be answered this week, this month, in that person's life. And they say, wow, well, wait a second. They prayed for me, and this happened. Could that happen? It could happen. Finally, this, 2 Timothy gives us really practical teaching on how to how, how to have this kind of conversation. Because I know some of you are thinking, I don't know, It's like speaking a foreign language. I don't know how to talk about my faith. Listen to what Paul says. So practical here. He says, The Lord's servant, that's all of y'all here, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them, repentance, right? Repentance, leading them, to a knowledge of the truth, that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who's been taken, who's taken them captive to do his will. It's almost like the Apostle Paul is writing my sermon for me. Pilate had the opportunity to discover truth, but he turned his back. Don't let that happen to you. Turn to Christ, repent and believe the gospel. The truth is there is no sin within you or evil in the world that cannot be defeated by God's powerful grace. Jesus was born and came into this world to bear witness to this truth, the unchangeable, absolute truth of God. That's what this Holy Week is all about. Let's pray. Lord God, may that truth sink in deep that there is no sin or shame within us or evil in the world that can be defeated by your powerful grace. That's what's true. That's what's real. So God, I pray, I pray that we would stand in your love, that we would take a stand for uh, what you've done in our lives, Lord. We put shame uh, behind us. We drop guilt and baggage that we weren't meant to carry. We stand free. Just have a quiet confidence. An opportunity to bless those around us. An opportunity, Lord, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. I pray, God, for my friends gathered here still have questions, still not sure what's really real. Some of us, Lord, have one foot in our world of faith and the other foot firmly planted in the world. Two sets of uh, friends, two sets of worldviews. God, help us to make a good confession. Help us to stand in your love. May we gaze on your face, the beauty and the wonder of who you are, and celebrate you this beautiful holy week. In your son's name we pray. Amen.